Bibles, we are in John 16. How many of you remember from two weeks ago to bring your outline back? Wow. How many of y'all didn't remember to bring your outline back? How many of y'all are glad you have a great preacher that printed everything, everything except the answers we didn't go over, all right? So you're called up. You're called up. Uh, you don't have to, if you need a lesson, if you wasn't here two weeks ago, uh, if you need a lesson there, anybody need a lesson? Raise your hand if you need a lesson. We'll make sure everybody gets that before we start. Anybody need a lesson? Everybody's good. Right here, right here, Shane. Right here, you got some in the front. All right, all right. Here's what I want to do. Uh, uh, man, we've got a lot of things going on this week. Some, some, uh, uh, some, some folks have passed away, went on to heaven, and uh, some of our church family members, and we're going to be praying for them, Wade and his family, and and, uh, and, and a precious little baby also uh, in the Davis family. But uh, we've got one in ICU that is watching us as we speak. So how many of y'all, uh, how many of y'all will help me give a shout out to Miss Connie Sue Barnett? Will you, will you say, everybody say, say hey. hey. All right, all right. I hope the nurses treat you well there. I told her I'd do that. I went and seen her today. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that we, we can even get God's word in the hospital. Amen? Amen? Amen. But we need to definitely be praying for several families in the church uh, for God's grace and his peace. And uh, some things you just don't have words for. You just don't, don't have the adequate words for. But that's why the Bible says that God's peace passeth all understanding. And uh, he can do what needs to be done. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right. John 16. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. Let's read just a few verses and I'll let you sit down. And then we'll kind of we'll catch ourselves up and try to finish this outline tonight, all right? Uh, now, Jesus, you remember, remember, we're, we're still in between. We're still in between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane. We're going to get to the garden. Sooner than 40 years out, we will get to the garden, amen? But we are here in between. Jesus has informed his disciples that he was going to die. And uh, they were gonna, they were gonna uh, abandon him, and uh, and and you know they're they're upset, they're broken, uh, they're troubled, and he is trying to encourage them. He he is telling them in this chapter, help is on the way. How many of y'all are glad that God didn't leave us here to fend for ourselves? Amen. He gave us an incredible, really, in man's eyes, an impossible assignment in the Great Commission. But thank God he didn't send us here to try to make it on our own. Amen? Help is definitely on the way. So let's look in verse number 1. John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended, or stumble, fall. The the things he was saying is in chapter 15, where he said the world's going to hate you, but they hated me too. And uh, they're going to despise you, they're going to arrest you. Uh, Even here in chapter 16, he says they're going to kill you. They shall put you out of the synagogues. The time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think they do God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me and none of you asketh me whether goest thou. But because I've said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, now see, that's why he's saying what he's fixing to say. They're sorrowful, they're broken, they're hurting. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. 
And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have many, yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall, now read this with me, he shall glorify me. Come on, everybody. He shall for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to serve you. Uh, Lord, you've been so good to us. Thank you for the rain that you're sending at different places. And, and Lord, I sure need some at my house. I, I, I pray you'll give me some rain too. And Lord, I know the others that are needing it, and I pray that you'll bless them also. And God, I pray that you'll be with the families who's lost loved ones today. I pray, Lord, that you'll just touch them, strengthen them. Uh, Lord, give them peace in their hearts to know that one day we will see our loved ones in Christ again. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Help us to finish this chapter. Help us to, to, to see how important it is that the Holy Spirit be in our lives. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to go through the first part of this outline. If you'll notice, if you've got one of the new ones uh, uh, that's printed off, uh, I, I went ahead and filled in. Uh, the answers that I gave you last time and stopped where I stopped last time so you, everybody will be caught up with this. Uh, but let me just run through it. Let me just run through it uh, uh, and, and, and show you where we're at here. Jesus is instructing his disciples. He's encouraging them. They're broken. They're hurting. And he's telling them, look, uh, these people, these people are going to hate you. But don't let that surprise you. Don't let, that, don't let that throw you off the rails. Don't let that detour you from what you, you know is right and, and what you're supposed to be doing. You have a calling. You have a commission. You're to take the gospel to every creature. You're to preach about me and witness, be a witness of me. And, and listen, don't let that stuff make you stumble. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. Don't be surprised. Why are we surprised when the world gets worse and worse? Why are we surprised when the world hates God, hates church, hates morality, hates truth and everything that we stand for? Why are we surprised? Why do we, why do we get upset when the world acts like the world and sinners act like sinners? That's what it's supposed to be. Say amen. amen. Don't let that throw you off the rails. Just because people are doing that, that doesn't mean we stop being and stop doing and stop believing what we know God's Word teaches us to do. Say amen. amen. He says, I'm telling you this so you don't get... Basically this, this is, this is in, you know, bluntly as you can say it, I don't want you to get sucker punched. I don't want you to get, I don't want you to get taken by surprise. So I'm telling you this now. How would you, how would you like this? You're, you're being interviewed. You're being interviewed by, by your boss and he's telling you what to expect. Oh, they're going to kill you. They're going to hate you. They're going to kick you out. And by the way, the significance of that, I don't think we can really comprehend. Because if you get kicked out of this Baptist church, you'll go find another one because there's 13 on this same road. 
Are y'all with me? But the significance of being kicked out of the synagogue here, that was, you might as well have been excommunicated to hell. You, you're done. You're done. Are y'all with me? So what, what he's saying here is very, very significant. And it is, it is serious. To, to a Jew, that was, that was very, very significant. He said, they're going to hate you. They're going to kill you. Matter of fact, they're going to think they're doing God a favor by doing this. But don't be offended. Don't stumble at that. Don't let that worry you. Don't let that stop you. He said, you're, you're, you're filled with sorrow right now. He said, let me tell you something. I need to go. It is expedient for you that I go. In other words, it's really important for you. It's very, it's very necessary. It's very, you can put this word here, it's very beneficial to you that I go. Now, how many of y'all were here two weeks ago? Raise your hand if you were here two weeks ago. All right. If you were not here two weeks ago when I, when I went over this part, raise your hand because I want you to get this. this. Okay, that's plenty enough to do this again. If you will remember, if you will remember, there were times when Jesus wasn't in present form with all the disciples. For instance, how many of y'all remember when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration? And he was only with three at the time, Peter, James, and John. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. Okay, I'm going to try to go through this fast so we can get through this. But he's up here on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. They're doing their thing. But down here at the bottom... Down here at the base, the other disciples are there, and they are struggling because here this man is with this child who's got demons, and they can't help him, and they can't fix him. They're struggling, and they are failing, right? And, 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 and the father's frustrated. Then you have the critics who are mocking the disciples, and, and, and the disciples, they're, they're not being successful at their calling because you got to remember, you got to remember, God had done, Jesus had done, sent them out to be able to do what they were supposed to do here. How many of y'all know that there's times that we're real successful in Christ and then there's other Sundays we just assume we stayed home? Oh, y'all are more spiritual, I see. How many of y'all just was all in the glory on Sunday and, and, and Monday happened? And you think, how in God's name can Monday be so bad after Sunday was so good? That's where they're at. Man, I know we did this in the villages. Man, we had success and we were able to do these things. And Jesus is up on the mountain. And then Jesus comes down. Jesus comes down. And he comes and fixes the situation because now he's with them. I'm going somewhere. Before he was not with them. He was with Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. But what he's saying here, the reason it's important that he goes is because he's going to be in them through the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says. Look what it says. Look in verse number, uh, verse number 7. Chapter 16, verse 7. When you get there, say amen. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's what we're going to talk about. But he will be in you. How many? Remember last week when the, when the, evangelist, when the evangelist gave the illustration with the napkin? Like a glove? That's, just, that's the point. That was amazing. I, I, I was sitting right there and I was thinking, that's exactly what I said last week. 
You know, he says, I'm not going to be, I can't be with you in physical form, in a physical human body with everybody. But when my physical human body, Jesus, remember, he's in the flesh. You remember, he's in the flesh. He's in the flesh till, till the end of time. Till, till, which is not going to be an end of time. It's going to be eternity. But the point is, he cannot in human flesh be with every single person on the planet. But in the spirit, he can be in all of us. So what's, what's the big deal about that? Do you know what? There's preachers all over the country right now preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. But if Jesus was still walking on the planet, that couldn't happen. But he said, I have to go away because if I go away, then I will send the Spirit to be in you. To be in you. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Okay, so it's very important that I go away. Now what's going to happen? You remember the title of this lesson was Help is on the Way. Help is on the way. All right, why do they need help? Because they're going to live in a hateful society, right? He said, everybody's going to hate you. They're going to want to kill you, so they're going to live in a violent society. They're going to live in a society that doesn't want them around. Uh, they're going to live in a religious society that doesn't believe what they're teaching. Not only that, but they have the responsibility to take the gospel, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? To every creature. Every creature. We got to go into all the earth. Go into all the earth. You remember what he said in Acts 1.8? But ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of, unto me, unto, uh, unto Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Man, that's a big deal. So now, here's what he's saying. I'm sending you help. I'm sending you help. You're not on your own. You're not, you don't have to figure out how to do this by yourself. I am sending you help. Say amen. He's a comforter. He's a spirit of truth. And this is what I want you to see. Three things that we, and we started, we started with the different ministries. This is, and let's just, let's just breeze through them and we'll jump back to E. I think we stopped at E last time. But let's, what, what does he have? What is this help that's coming? The Holy Spirit. Parakletos, the, 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 the one who is brought alongside to help, to, to be a blessing and an encouragement. Listen, the witness they will find, he's got a life-giving ministry, that's chapter 7, 37. And in dwelling presence, that's chapter 14 and 16, he shall be in you, he says. Then he has a teaching ministry, chapter 14, verse 26. And empowering for witness, chapter 15, 26. And if you want to, take your pen and write beside that Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8. That will also uh, go along with that particular truth. <clears throat> he empowers us to witness. Then a convincing ministry. A convincing ministry. Look what he says in verse number, verse number, uh, verse number 8. <clears throat> And when he has come, that's the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now here's what, let's, let's look at this a minute. Let's look at this word reprove. The key word here is reprove. In, in your notes, it's right there in the paragraph. It's a legal word that means to bring to light to expose, to refute, to convict and convince. Underline that, those two words, convict and convince. 
What is the Holy Spirit? Basically, he's a prosecuting attorney. He is a prosecuting attorney. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It could be translated to pronounce the verdict. Believers are the witnesses. The Holy Spirit is the prosecuting attorney. And the unsaved are the guilty prisoners. However, the purpose of this indictment is not to condemn, but to bring salvation. Now, what's the point? What's the point? You cannot get saved until you get lost. You cannot get saved. You will not go to the doctor until you know you're sick. Are you with me? You can't get saved until you get lost. You have to understand who you are. You have to understand the condition that you're in. Now, how do we do that? And how does the Holy Spirit bring us to the place where we understand that we are lost and that we need a Savior? You remember what he said? He will speak of me. He will exalt me. Talking about Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit here. Now, what does that mean? In, in, in Acts chapter number 2, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, if y'all remember, that's exactly how he did it. He preached that you are sinners. You killed the Prince of Glory. You killed Jesus. You are guilty. Guilty. You know what? We're living in a society today that doesn't want to hear that. We're living in it, but the Bible says, again, again, the Bible says that was going to happen. In the last days, perilous times shall come. In the last days, people shall, be, uh, uh, shall heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. You remember when Paul was talking to Timothy? He said, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why? The time will come when people will heap upon themselves teachers having, come on everybody, having itching ears. What does that mean? Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me about grace and tell me about mercy and tell me about love and tell me about prosperity and tell me about blessings. But don't tell me about guilt. Don't tell me about shame. Don't tell me about sin. Don't tell me about judgment. Y'all with me? You preach like that, you'll thin the herd out. But if you tell everybody they're blessed and they're favored and, and, and God doesn't want to do nothing but blessings, health, wealth, and prosperity, you can fill the building up several times. But guess what? You're just helping sending them to hell. Why? Because the Spirit has to bring you to a point of understanding your condition. We are guilty. We are guilty before God. You will not go to the healer until you understand that you are sick. Why do we need a Savior? Because we're sinners. We're sinners. Why do we preach the law? What is the law? It's the word. How does, how, does, how does God bring sinners to the point of conviction? By preaching the scriptures. Y'all with me? And what happens is the witness, the witness. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Don't lose me. Acts 1, 8, but ye shall be, come on, ye shall be witnesses unto me. How do we witness? We tell them this. We tell them this. And what happens? But ye shall receive power. The Holy Ghost empowers your 
witness. And see, last week we learned this. What, what happens is, is when you share the truth and you share the gospel and you share the truth of Scripture, the Holy Spirit in that person's heart is saying, that's right. You better listen. How many of y'all remember the day you got saved? How many of y'all remember your heart was about to beat out of your chest? How many of y'all remember if it was anything like mine? Well, I thought, well, if that preacher don't ever shut up, I'm going to die. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was saying, he's right. You're a sinner. You're in danger. Hell is real. Y'all with me? And so, so he's coming. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to reprove, to convict, convince the sinner of what? The sin, primarily the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. Look, what it, look in your notes. Write this down. What does he convict us of or convince us of? Number one, of sin. Of sin. Not, watch this now, watch this now. Spell that word. Come on. Not S-I-N-S. Not S-I-N-S. Not sins. Not lying, cheating, stealing. Now, he, the, he does do that. But that's not what's in reference here. It's one particular sin. How many of y'all know you won't go to hell for lying? I'm glad one person knows that. Amen. Let me prove it. How many of y'all are saved in here? Raise your hand. Come on. How many of y'all have ever told a lie after you got saved? Some of y'all need to put your hand back up because you just did. <laughs> See, lying don't send you to hell. Just put whatever list you want to put there. What sends a person to hell? Unbelief. Unbelief. This is the specific sin. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse number. Let's, let's stay in context. What sin? Verse 9. He will reprove of, verse 9, of sin. What sin? Because they they believe not on me. What will send a person to hell if they believe not and do not place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are y'all with me? Listen, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of one particular sin, the sin of unbelief. The law of God and the conscience of man will convict the sinner of his sins, plural, specifically. But it is the work of the Spirit through the witness of the believers to expose the unbelief of the lost world. After all, it is the unbelief that condemns the lost sinner, not the committing of individual sins. A person could clean up his life. Look at this now. A person could clean up his life, quit his or her bad habits, and still be lost and go to hell. Are y'all with me? Amen. What else, what, what else does he convince us of? Of sin. Then number two, of righteousness. Of righteousness. He says in verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Now the Spirit also convicts the sinner of righteousness, not unrighteousness. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? He's talking about he convinces us of our need for the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. The world would not receive the Son of God. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own received him not. They rejected him. 
So he has returned to the Father. The Spirit of God reveals the Savior in the Word and in this way glorifies Him. The Spirit also reveals Christ in the lives of believers. The world can see what He does as they watch the lives of dedicated believers. Let me put it this way. Here's, let's start here. The Holy Spirit first brings you to an understanding that you're sick. That you are a sinner. How do we do that? By the law. What did, what did Paul say? I didn't, I, didn't know I, was, I didn't know what lust was till, till I saw in the law. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor. Right? And, and, and so I didn't know what sin was till the law appeared. But when the law appeared, it made sin exceedingly sinful. So I realized my condition. And so the Holy Spirit convinces us that we are condemned. That we are in bad shape. That we, what's this? We are in trouble. What did he say in John 3? What did he say in John 3? God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is. Man, y'all are studying. Amen. Condemned already. We come to the realization we are sinners and sin for the wages of sin is. And if we, un, we are not believers, we are condemned already. But how many of you are glad the Holy Spirit won't leave you right there? What else does he do? He says, not only are you a sinner and sin must be paid for. And the wages of sin is death. And you're condemned. But then the Holy Spirit says, but the Savior is offering his righteousness for free. Because yours is not good enough. By the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. For our righteousness are as filthy rags. You know what the Holy Spirit did after he let me know I was a sinner? Not only did he let me know I was a sinner, he let me know I was a great sinner. <clears throat> How many of y'all know that feeling? That feeling of condemnation, that feeling of shame, that feeling of brokenness. But he didn't stop there. Thank God he's not like most modern day preachers. He didn't leave me in a condemned state. Yes, he let me know I was a great sinner. But he let me know I had a great Savior. Whose righteousness was enough to cover my great sin. See, he let me, <laughs> I'm having a good time whether y'all are or not, amen. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. The wages of sin is death. But over here, then he says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Somebody say amen. The wages of sin may be death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say amen. 
And then he convinces us of another thing, which is very important for us to get. Let's read this part. Look at this one. Oh, I got to hurry. You know, I should get the 20-minute rollover from last week. <laughs> what do y'all think? Amen? He stopped 20 minutes before. And uh, so, anyway. And y'all know what? I can't win. I, I got in trouble. I got in trouble because he quit 20 minutes early because the kids didn't have nowhere to go. They, what do we do for the next 20 minutes? I'm like, anyway. <laughs> go late, you get in trouble. Leave early, you get in trouble. I guess we go right on time, man. <laughs> All right, look here. Of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Who got judged? Look what it says in verse 11. Verse 11. And by the way, I ain't doing no 20 rollover minutes. Just put your mind at ease right there. <laughs> of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Who's, who's that? Come on, everybody. The devil is Satan. Satan thought he was winning on the cross, but little did he know it was the cross that judged him. Amen? Watch this. <clears throat> the Spirit convicts the lost sinner of judgment. Jesus was referring to his judgment of Satan that was affected by his death on the cross. When a lost sinner is truly under conviction, he will see the folly and evil of unbelief. He will confess that he does not measure up to the righteousness of Christ. And he will realize that he is under condemnation because he belongs to the world and the devil. There can be no conversion without conviction. Underline that. Underline that. There can be no conversion without conviction. And there can be no conviction apart from the Spirit of God using the Word of God and the witness of the child of God. Underline that, all, that, whole, that whole statement. There can be no conversion without conviction. There can be no conviction apart from the Spirit of God using the Word of God and the witness of the child of God. What does that mean? Let me, before you flip your paper, because when you flip your paper, you flip your mind. Before you flip your paper, stay right there a minute, because this is important and we get this. Why is, it, why is that important to know? Oh, preacher, I, I know the Holy Spirit. No, 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 just watch. This completely takes away the idea and the thought process, the thought process that somebody can get saved when they want to. How many young people, how many young people, they want to go to heaven, but they want to live a little while. They want to sow some wild oats. Let me say something about that sowing in wild oats. You can't sow wild oats and pray for a crop failure. It don't work. And you don't get saved when you want to. You get saved when the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And let me help you understand another thing. He don't always draw you. The Word says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. What does that mean? If God is convicting you today, you better get in. Because there is coming a day he won't. I, there's a, there was a gentleman in my dad's church. <clears throat> Every, and he loved coming to church. And he loved my dad. And man, God was dealing with him. 
dealing with him in a, in a, in a most severe way. He would sit out in, in, the, in the pew and, and during the invitation time, he would just grab, my dad said he would grab the back of the pews to the point his knuckles were just solid white. And dad would beg and please, saying, please come. If God is dealing with you, please come. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Don't make excuses. Come and trust Christ today. Today is a day of salvation. And week after week after week after week, he kept making excuses, thinking there would always be another service. There would always be another time until one Sunday he came in and Dad's thinking it was just like another Sunday. And he preached his heart out and he gave the invitation and he begged for sinners to come to Christ and the gentleman stood there emotionless. No conviction, no burden, no stress, no anything. Then the next service, and the next service, nothing, nothing. And then he just eventually quit coming. Not long ago, not long ago, the same person was killed in a head-on, head-on accident. Preacher, what are you saying? You don't get saved when you choose. You come to Him when He is calling you, when He is convicting you. And how does He convict you? He convicts you by the preaching, teaching, sharing, witnessing of the Word of God you got to trust Him. you got to come. Today is the day of salvation. Man, I'm telling you what. If God, listen, I wouldn't go to hell for nobody. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's move along. <clears throat> Here's, here is a great, great truth. He has a life-giving ministry. He has an indwelling presence, a teaching ministry, an empowering for witness, a convincing ministry. We're still talking about the same comforter, the same teacher, the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, right? And then we see an inspiring ministry. Look at verse 12, an inspiring ministry. This is great. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, this is, a, this is a significant, significant verse. In other words, there's some things I want to tell you and I want to share with you, but right now, you can't handle it. Now, you got to think, you got to think, most of the time when we think disciples, we think of them going to all the earth and, uh, you know, going and starting the churches in Jerusalem and Samaria. And, but at this time, they wasn't that. They were not strong. They were not fearless. They were not faithful. They, this was pre-Holy Spirit. This was pre-Pentecost. Matter of fact, they were still arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And what Jesus is seeing in them, he says, I've got some stuff to share with you. I've got some truth to give you, but you can't handle it right now. Now, what is that? What is that? What is that truth that he wanted to share with them, but they couldn't handle it at the time? It is, y'all ready for this? 
the New Testament. The New Testament. Let me show you. Let me show you. Look what he says. How be it, verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of who? Truth is come. Look in verse, look in John 17, 17. John 17, 17. It should be on the opposite page. John 17, 17. When you get there, say amen. amen. All right. Back up to verse, stick your finger. Everybody hold your finger. Y'all got a finger? Come on. All right. Stick it on there, John 17, 17. All right. Go back. Go back to John 16, 13. All right. You got one finger on John 17, 17, one on 16, 13, right? Okay, let's read 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, truth, say it again, the spirit of truth, truth, is come, he will guide you into all, he will guide you into all, all right, 17, 17, 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy, thy word is truth. What do you have here? The Word, which is truth. He's talking about the New Testament. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Let's put it all together. When you compare John 14, 26, and we'll we'll go back to that. Well, as a matter of fact, I got it in your notes. You don't have to go back to that. When you compare John 14, 26 with 16, 13, you see the wonderful way that God arranged for the writing of the New Testament Scriptures. The Spirit would remind them of what Jesus had taught them. This gives us the four Gospels. The Spirit would also guide them into all truth. This would be the result is the epistles, all right? Then he will show you things to come. What are things to come? It's future things. Now, what do we know of that? The book of Revelation. See how that works together? Look here, number one. Number one, under Inspiring Ministry, write this down. The Gospels. Now, if you you have the last outline, you already have this. You don't have to write this down. See, that's your reward. You don't have to write. All right, look what it says in John 14, 26. But the comforter, who's the comforter? The Holy Spirit, Spirit, right? The teacher, the guide, the spirit of truth, right? But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall all things, what, what specific things? And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever. Now, what would that be? Matthew? Mark, Luke, John, the life of Christ. What Jesus taught them when he was on this earth. Why, why did they need to know that? Because they needed to write it down for us. You with me? In other words, they wrote down the things that he taught them while he was here on this earth. So John 14, John 14, 26 is in reference to the Gospels, right? All right, then look at John 16, 12 through 13. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. That's talking about Christ. He's referring back to Christ. John 16, 12 through 13 is in reference to the epistles. The epistles, write that down. Acts, Romans, all through, all, all, all toward Revelation. <clears throat> All right, then Revelation, Gospels, the Epistles, then Revelation, John 16, 12 through 13. It says, and he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Because you got to remember, up until this point, all they had was the Old Testament. 
All they had was the Old Testament. But he's saying here, listen, I need to tell you some stuff, but you can't handle it right now. Being pre-Holy Spirit, you can't handle what I need to tell you. But after the Holy Spirit comes, he will tell you what you need to know. He will bring all things to your remembrance, and he will give you what you need to know. Now, what's he saying? The Holy Spirit is going to inspire them to write the Holy Scriptures. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16 is right there in your notes. Help me now. All, how much? How much? All right, let's read it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for and for instruction in righteousness. All right, 2 Peter 1.21. For the prophecy, come on, help me. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit moved on these men, and they wrote God's holy word. The word that they wasn't quite ready for before Pentecost. He said he's going to tell you all truth. Everything you need to know, he's going to help you. He's going to give you. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Be careful. Be careful when somebody comes up with this phrase. I've got a new revelation. God has given me a truth. No problem. Okay. But I'm going to authenticate it. Because if your truth that you say God gave you don't line up with this truth that the Holy Spirit gave them holy men, then your truth ain't the truth. Y'all with me? Boy, I want to say some more right there, but let's move. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to run out of my minutes. <clears throat> How many of you are glad we got the truth? Amen. We have God's word, the truth. Really, guys, there is nothing on this planet we can truly depend on besides what's sitting in your laps right now. Amen. Are y'all with me? Yeah. We can bank it on this. God's holy word. Amen? All right, all right, let's hurry, let's hurry, let's hurry. He said, all things that the Father hath in mind, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. <clears throat> A little while, here, here's where we're going to get in the next point. A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me, because I go to my Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, what is this that he saith unto us? What's he talking about? A little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. What does that mean? Then said they, therefore, what is that that he said? We cannot tell what he said. Now Jesus, he knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. 
and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, and now he gives an illustration. He says, just like when a woman is in travail in birth. She's, she's in travail and she has sorrow. She's hurting and in pain because her hour has come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow. Ye now therefore have sorrow. He says, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy shall no man take from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask that the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Now let's go through this, these points and explain them. All right, so we, we find here, let's go back to the, the main points. Well, there's a world they will face. Remember a world of hate and persecution and religious animosity. A warning that will fortify he says, I'm telling you these things. I'm giving you this information so you, you don't get blindsided and you don't get sucker punched. You, you, can, you can make it. A witness they will find. He says, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send a teacher. I'm going to send a guide to help you. You're not in this thing on your own by yourself. And then we see a worry that was frustrating. Four things real quickly. I want you to see the experiencing of confusion. The experiencing of confusion. They got confused. Jesus is trying to tell them what's fixing to happen. He told them about the betrayal. He told them about his, his, that he's going he's to be crucified. He's going to be arrested. And now he's trying to tell them about his death, burial, and resurrection. All right? That's, he's just, but he's not coming out and saying it exactly just like that. And they're confused. Say, so what are you talking about? Now, to me... This is very encouraging. <clears throat> you say, why is that? How many of y'all have been confused with the will of God in your life before? Amen. Guess what? You're in good company. You're in good company. They're saying, what, what, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm glad, I'm glad even though we do get confused from time to time and we do struggle sometimes with what God wants us to do or what God's trying to tell us. And it's not because he's confusing, it's because we're, we're, it's on our side of the deal, amen? God's not the author of confusion, but sometimes, sometimes instead of listening to the still small voice, there's 37 other voices going on, amen? And we can't hear him. But either way, he, he understands it and says, listen, guys, let me explain it to you this way. Let me explain it to you this way. And this is, this is B. This is B, the explanation that Jesus gave. That's verses 19 through 28. This is, this is basically what he's saying. In just a little while, they're fixing to come and get me. In just a little while, they're fixing to come and get me. So in a little while, you're not going to see me. They're going to put me on a cross. They're going to put me on a cross, and they're going to put me in the ground. You're not going to see me. A little while. He's just hours. Now think about this. He's just hours away from crucifixion. So he's saying, in just a little while, you're not going to see me. But guess what? In a little while, you're going to see me. Did you get it? I don't think you did. <clears throat> in a little while, they're going to kill me and put me in the grave. You're not going to see me. But don't fret, because in just a little while, you're going to see me. 
Now, why is that significant? Because that don't happen. That don't happen. I mean, it's only happened a couple times in the history of mankind in the beginning of creation that someone dead has come back. Are y'all with me? But it's going to be the first time it's ever happened by his own power. And he's trying, you remember what, you remember what, what started this whole deal? Remember what started this whole deal? You remember back in chapter 14, let not your heart be, their heart was, and he's trying to encourage them. Now he's saying, now he's saying, look, you're fixing to have a bad day. It's fixing to be terrible. You're going to grieve. You're going to sorrow. You're going to weep. And that's what they did. They were weeping. They were broken. Their hopes were dashed. I mean, they're, they're expecting Jesus to conquer the Romans and they're expecting this physical uh, kingdom here on this earth and all that's been snatched away. And while they're, they're crucified, and by the way, they thought that they were coming after them too. So can you imagine the fear and the anxiety and the, the stress and they're weeping and they're broken because their Savior has been slaughtered. But after that third day, he said, you're going to see me again. A little while, you're not going to see me. But a little while, you're going to see me. And he uses the, he uses the illustration. He says, guys, it's going to be like when a, when a mama's giving birth. It's going to be bad. And all the ladies said, but boy, when you see that little monkey. And all the ladies again said, you're going to see me. You're going to see me, and all that sorrow is going to be gone. So how do you know that? How do you know that? I, I looked up this verse. <clears throat> just, just hang tight. Hang tight. We got a second here. He looks up my verse. Oh, there it is. Look what it says. Now, this is, this is after the resurrection. This is after the resurrection. If you want to write this down, you can just look it up later. Luke 24, 50. <clears throat> Luke 24, 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. This is, this is really the same thing you see in Acts chapter number 1. You remember? Remember when a, a cloud descended, he stepped on a cloud, and then angels came and said, Why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? The same one that left, he's going to come back. Y'all remember that? From, from, the Mount, from the Mount of Olives, remember? In the Mount of Olives where we were standing on the, on the opposite side of the eastern gate, opposite side of the Kidron Valley. Woohoo! Went back up. He's gonna come back on that same that same mountain, that same cross the Kidron Valley. Go. I know they got it blocked up right now, but listen, the Eastern Gate is going. Somebody say, man. And this is what this is what this is where they're at. This is where they're standing. By the way, I'm gonna put some pictures up of that uh, 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 later on. I got something in the works and planning. It's gonna be really cool. And uh, uh, but watch this. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Y'all see that? They returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God and all God's people say it. What happened? Exactly what Jesus said. When they come and arrest me, you're going to flee. You're going to abandon me. And you're going to cry. And you're going to weep. And you're going to be in pain. But in a little while, you're going to see me again. 
and all that pain after the resurrection, the pain you experienced and went through, it's going to be like it never happened. Like it never happened. And all God's people said. Then I want you to see C. We see the experiencing of confusion, the explanation Jesus gave, then the eagerness they portrayed. They're all about it now. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now, thou, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. And Jesus answered and said, Do you now believe? Let me translate that into Alabamian. R really? Y'all know that? The Lord's eye roll? I wonder how often that happens when we come to God and we got this. We good now. There's so many times that <laughs> I, I know y'all are a whole lot more spiritual than me, but sometimes I get full of myself and think, I got it now. And Jesus is saying, really? Really? Watch. Watch what he says. Watch his response. Watch his response. Behold, <clears throat> the hour cometh, is now come, that ye shall be every man to his own. And all of you are going to leave me. But let me remind you, I'm not alone. Why? Because the Father's with me. In other words, Jesus had to bring him back to reality. There's so many times in our lives. Well, listen, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. <clears throat> Don't let a good week in your life cause you to get to the place you don't think you need him because it's usually not the failures that mess us up because the failures in my life makes me run to God it's usually the successes that'll because as soon as you have a success as soon as you remember you remember Joshua in the promised land they had this great victory. You remember? In Jericho. But what led to the victory? He spent time with God. He listened to God. He got directions and instructions from God and followed them explicitly to the letter. And they had a great victory. And you know what Joshua said? I got this. And here's this little old city of I. Ain't nothing to it. I got this. Didn't ask God one time. Because if he'd asked God his advice, God would have said, you got problems. And I ain't going to rehash that whole thing. Y'all know what happened. My point is this. Sometimes God has to remind us, we don't got this. We need him. He said, you're going to be scattered, but thank God he didn't leave him without encouragement. Amen? Look at the last thing. Look at the last verse. I love this verse. This verse will endure to all generations. <clears throat> Let's read it together. These things, everybody read it. 
These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have, you might have peace. You might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the the world. I got two minutes. In me, you'll have peace. I mean, that sounds pretty good. Now watch. In the world, ye shall have tribulation. Everybody know what tribulation is? Difficulty, adversity, hardship. Right? Now watch this. Watch this. Where are you going to have tribulation? In the world. But he says, I have overcome the world. What's the point? Anything that is causing tribulation in your life, he's overcome. Y'all not getting it. Anything that causes tribulation in your life, he's already overcome. What's the point? We are in Christ. So ultimately, we have overcome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start acting like it. You're an overcomer. Not, no, no, that's not even biblical. That's not even biblical. What is biblical is you're more than an overcomer. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's your homework. Find that verse. How many of y'all know we're more than overcomers? And all God's people see it. Now here, next week, we're going to jump into chapter 17. Chapter 17. How many of y'all, all right, somebody tell me the Lord's Prayer. Wrong. That's your prayer. Did the disciples not say? Did the disciples not say? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. He tells them, pray in this manner. So it's their prayer. Chapter 17 is the true Lord's prayer. This is when the Lord prays for you. This is so great. How many of y'all would like to know what, what the Lord would say if he prayed for you? It's right there. Here's your homework. Read John 17. Read John 17. And uh, next week we're going to jump into it. I'm telling you, you're going to be so encouraged. You're going to be so encouraged. Because guess what, guys? Guess what? He's still praying for us. He's still praying for us. Amen. And all God's people say it. Hey, let's pray for those families, okay, guys? Uh, 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 let's pray, pray for Brother Wade. Uh, uh, Miss Susan has, has gone to be with Christ. And uh, so we're going to pray for the Haynes family and uh, also a, a little baby uh, for the Davis family. Uh, I, I, believe, I believe his name is Colt, uh, Colt Davis. So we need to pray for, pray for their family, that God would give them peace and strength and grace. And uh, also the ones that's in the hospital, uh, Miss, Miss Connie 
is uh, in ICU in Coleman and, uh, and still really don't know what the deal is. Uh, so let's, let's pray for them too. All right? And uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, just probably everybody in this room could raise their hand and say, I got something I need God to help me with. Could we say amen right there? Amen. So let's do this. Why don't we bow our heads and we'll just pray for each other and ask the Lord to help us all, all right? Lord, thank you so much.